every one of you who confesses Jesus as Lord of the universe signs up for a significance beyond anything you ever dreamed. And I mean business men and women here, homemakers, students. To belong to Jesus is to embrace the nations. Your heart was made for this. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Made for Missions podcast, where our heart is to mobilize Christians towards the Great Commission. For more information, go to my website at mikefalkenstein.com. That's Mike Falkenstein, F-A-L-K-E-N-S-T-I-N-E.com. Thanks for joining us. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us for this, the 58th episode of the Made for Missions podcast. I am one of your hosts, Mike Falkenstein, and uh, I'm here today to give a very brief introduction to this podcast episode, which is actually a replay of episode number seven, which in which I talk about sort of three keys to Great Commission fulfillment. And I replay it because, again, as I'm speaking and as I'm talking to folks about finding Great Commission fulfillment, I find these three areas are areas that uh, deserve a replay. Uh, in fact, I'm talking about it all the time. And so this is a replay of episode number seven. And uh, I hope you guys enjoy it. For many of you, it might be the first time you've heard this content. And so I'm thrilled about that as well. Uh, thank you for joining us and uh, enjoy. You know, I think I would say at first that I think the Great Commission is a you know, it's an important topic for a couple of reasons. Number one, you know, the statistics tell us that the, you know, we're in a world made up of uh, about 16,000 people groups, 6,000 of those who are still classified as unreached. And so, you know, this, this, this call, this command that Jesus gives us to go and make disciples of all nations. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's an important topic and I'm just finding and I found over the last 20 some years of uh, full-time ministry that, you know, the Great Commission is just a very sort of, you know, it's an overlooked command of Jesus. And certainly if Jesus gave us the command, we want to make sure to follow his commands, right? So, uh, <laughs> and so that is why it is at least worth our time in looking at. And so as a part of the mobilizing Christians towards the Great Commission, call that I've been given the out of the now three things that that I've been doing to fulfill that one being this show this podcast number two the uh, the video series that we're just going to be starting and as kind of using again the internet and YouTube as a platform for that uh, the third part of that is just a, a speaking ministry and uh, the speaking that I've been doing uh, the talk I've been giving which has been very similar in a lot of places is sort of a great commission one-on-one talk. So mm. I feel like it's just been important to talk about, Hey, let's just kind of review what is the great commission. Number two, then what does that mean to me? We figure out what it is, what does it mean to me? And then finally sort of steps towards great commission fulfillment. So uh, that's kind of been the the talk. And so I thought in this episode, uh, for those who may be interested in having me come, I would love to come, especially if it would sort of further your ministry 
to be able to come alongside and help you. Because you know what I'm finding, Ken, is that there are a lot of pastors who are saying, I'm saying those same things about the Great Commission, Mike, but just having another somebody come uh, is helpful. Right. You know, they're not just hearing it from me. Right, you know? right, that's right. So, so, so I've at least really enjoyed it, and I hope to be able to do a lot more of it. Hmm. You know, it seems like there are uh, probably a lot of people, a lot of people who claim that they are followers of Christ, and, mm-hmm. and certainly maybe they have asked Christ to be their Savior, asked Him to forgive them of their sins, uh, submitted to Him as Lord, but still don't even know what the Great Commission is. That's right. Yeah, yeah that's so, right. Um, quick reference point, both yeah. in Matthew uh, and in Mark, specifically Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, uh, mm-hmm. Christ says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Mm. And then Mark sixteen fifteen 15 uh, says, go and make disciples of all men. And let me just read it specifically. And he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. That's right. Yeah. And in fact, those are two of the kind of the three verses that I use. And so, boy, it's, yeah, certainly if it's in the Bible and it's, you know, it's, it's Jesus that said it, certainly it's worth our time, right? Absolutely. So, it really is. So in terms of the question of what is the Great Commission, I use a couple, I use, I use these three verses. You'd mentioned the Matthew 28 passage. There's also the one in Mark. And then, of course, we're all very familiar with Acts 1.8, which Jesus, right before the ascension, he says, uh, you know, go and be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Mm-hmm. And so... It sure seems to me like, you know, this this command that we call the Great Commission is a command. And when it comes to, you'd mentioned the Mark 16 passage, you know, proclaim the gospel or, or preach the gospel. That's the first part of the Great Commission. Make disciples of all nations. Uh, the Matthew 28, baptizing them, uh, teaching them all I, I have commanded you, and then be my witnesses. And so there's kind of a five-step uh, process there. And it sure seems to me like you know, when, when you go through what is the Great Commission and what it is not, gosh, I just can't find any place where it just says that it's not binding on all who confess Jesus as Lord, number one. Number two, uh, I think it is a command for each of us to to follow. I think it's a call more to make disciples than to go. And I think a lot of pastors sort of focus in on that go part. Right. But what Jesus doesn't want is just converts, right? He really wants disciples. And of course, the reason for that is disciples really uh, will reproduce themselves into the lives of others. And so uh, I, 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 while I think the, the Great Commission is a, is a mandate to cross cultures, you know, you can also, and people probably uh, get tired of us always saying this, but you can make disciples on the street where you live or, mm. you know, where you work or, you know, just in your own sphere of influence here. And so, you know, I think in terms of what it's not, it certainly is not something that's just going to happen, right? You've got to be intentional. Uh, it's not something that you can wait until you're just ready. Uh, it's not just great advice for some. 
And the reason for that, of course, is that it's just not optional for those who follow Jesus. And again, as I mentioned, it's not a call just to make converts, but Jesus wanted disciples. So, mm-hmm. so that's uh, that's the the quick overview of kind of what it is. I know you and I have talked about it, and uh, it seems like you and I are in agreement. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, I think we'll continue to talk about it. And yeah, that's continue right. Continue to talk about it and uh, and learn and grow from it and hopefully share uh, with others the really the importance of disciple making. Uh, it, it is, uh, I think, foundational to your stamina and endurance mm-hmm. as a believer. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> this is hard uh, to do. It, it to is. do right, to follow Christ is is hard in all, our culture, um, not hard to the point where we would turn from him, certainly, uh, though many do, but hard in that it's just a tough road. It's just a tough road to stand for righteousness and truth. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. I think that, I think you're right. It's hard to, it's something that's hard to do. And as uh, my previous host, Mike Nelson, and I talked about, uh, you know, we met, as we try to, even just as we try to follow Jesus, we mess up all the time. Hmm. Fortunately, God's grace is there to, <laughs> you know, to, right. to, to meet us there. And, uh, you know, so, you know, and in our last episode, uh, I, I've just been thinking about the input I've been having with, from others. Um, the interview that we had last episode with Justin Long, you know, he really emphasized, you know, yeah, we got, we have to recognize what the Great Commission is and it is a command. Right. But, you know, and if you're if you're confused about how to implement that in your own life or, or obey it in your own life, you know, uh, that's where God comes in and says, hey, ask me. That's you know, right. And just yeah. pray and, you know, and, uh, you know, you can be involved in a whole host of different ways. So, so in terms of the second part of my talk that I've been giving, uh, what I'm calling, you know, so, we, so we're figuring out what is the Great Commission. Secondly, we figure out, okay, what does that, what does that mean to me? And actually, I think my perspective about that has changed as I've, in the last year or so, as I've been doing this study. The onus to fulfill the Great Commission, I believe, is on us individually. A lot of people will come and say, yeah, I think it's actually the, the command that Jesus gave is actually a command for the church. And I guess you can some way split hairs. Hmm. I guess I would still come back and say, yeah, but the church is just full of us, us, of yeah. people, right? In fact, that is the church. <laughs> and so for the example that I've been using is, let's say that uh, I'm a part of church A. Well, I have that, that command to fulfill. And together, as a part of church A, we can maybe do some things uh, better than I could individually. Mm-hmm. So certainly the ecclesia is of benefit to me fulfilling the Great Commission. But if I leave church A and I move to another city and I go to church B, I'm taking that, you know, that command, that responsibility with me, mm-hmm. you know, to this other place. And hopefully together in church B, uh, you know, we can, <laughs> I can, uh, I can continue to fulfill the great commission, you know, right. in my own life. So there's some interesting quotes that I've, that I've found uh, about that. And again, we talk a lot about these missionaries of the 1800s. I think they had something going on, but there was one of them, an Arthur Pearson, who said, uh, if missions languish, it is because the whole life of godliness is feeble. The command to go everywhere and preach to everybody is not obeyed until the will is lost by self-surrender in the will of God. Living, praying, giving, and going 
uh, will always be found together. And I guess I, I like that because it seems like this life of, you know, following, living for, and sharing Christ is, um, you know, something that, I mean, it's just that kind of the definition of the Christian life, right? So, right. so if you are, are living for, for Christ, just like we're supposed to be spending time in prayer and spending time in the word, you know, spending time sharing Christ is just another, and I think you and I talked about that a couple episodes ago that, mm-hmm. you know, that, uh, it really just should be a part of your kind of everyday going. That's right. right. Hudson Taylor, of course, one of my one of my missionary heroes because he's involved in China, which has been a large part of my, uh, you know, my fulfillment of the Great Commission. Said the Great Commission is not an option to be considered, but it is a command to be obeyed. Mm-hmm. And so I think he's got uh, you know a handle on on that. So so in this talk, then we have what I call the. So we figured out what it is, the Great Commission, how it is, what, what this actually means for us, that it is a command to be followed, that it is something that we're praying, God, help me to figure out that, you know, how it is that you want me to be involved. And then finally, I've got these six steps to Great Commission fulfillment. So uh, maybe after our break, we'll, uh, I'll talk about those and uh, give, give you and I a chance to, to catch our breath and... Uh, We'll reconnect with folks after the break. Sounds great. Great. Hi, I'm Tom Muller. As a pastor or ministry leader, you know the value of having congregation members excited about God's work, both at home and abroad. Think about having a church full of people who know their place in God's great mission, engaged to reach the world for Jesus. That's a church on fire. Or maybe you're a conference director looking for a dynamic speaker to come in and point people toward fulfilling the Great Commission in their lives. Mike Falkenstein would love to come and serve your church or conference by making a great speech to attendees on a Sunday morning or for a weekend event, making your event a huge success. Mike has a deep desire to make your job easier. Visit Mike's website at MikeFalkenstein.com and go to the speaking page to find out more about how you can have him come and serve you in this way. Welcome back. Thanks for sticking with us here on the Made for Missions podcast. Uh, Mike, you are just about ready to talk to us about the six steps 
it's a great commission fulfillment, uh, part of the thing that you talk about in your uh, speaking engagements all mm. over. Uh, and I know we're all anxious to hear uh, the way that we can uh, utilize what you're about to give us and uh, put that into action in our own lives. Yeah, yeah, and I'm hopeful to, you know, give the six steps, but get some, you know, interaction from you and what you think, and you know, because uh, you know we can um, round this out uh, together quite well. So the steps to great commission fulfillment are things that uh, are deep on my heart because, really, at the end of the day, I mean, we can do a lot of this stuff, but unless people are actually going from non-involvement to somehow to being involved. You know, that's, uh, I mean, that's kind of the heart behind, behind what we want to do. Right. So, right. so in these six steps, the first one is probably the, uh, really, the, I think the toughest for us to sort of, uh, maybe, I don't know if it's grasp, but to certainly to, to wrestle with. And that's, you know, what I just call, I just think it's good for all of us to do what I would call sort of a self-examination, right? So mm -hmm. it's sort of a, because I have known people that sort of believe that they're Christians, but maybe they just have never, you know, fully, either fully surrendered their lives to Christ or, and, and you know, there's actually a, a sort of a biblical precedent for that in the book of Second Corinthians, you know, Paul is going through with the Corinthian church, kind of a list of make sure you're doing this and this and this. And as a part of that, he says in 2 Corinthians 15, examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test? I hope that you will find out that we have, that we have not failed the test. And so, you know, Paul is even saying, boy, it's just good to, to test that faith. And, you know, because really before you can find Great Commission fulfillment. Certainly, you need to have accepted Jesus. You have to be, you know, then sort of plugged into the power source, so to speak, right? right? And so, and then we're not talking about a, a losing salvation thing or whatever. It's just looking at your relationship and, uh, you know, the commitments that you made to Jesus. We know that Jesus talks about in the book of Matthew that every good tree bears good fruit mm. and a bad tree bears bad fruit. And so if you've never seen Great Commission fulfillment in your life, again, don't blame put into this at all, but we just know, hey, if you're plugged in, every good tree bears good fruit. So, so that's, you know, I think missions is our over is the, is the overflow and our delight in God. You know, that's kind of step number one is just hey, just take a look at your your walk with the Lord and how you're doing. And you know, um, in the late 1700s, another one of these missionaries, uh, a British missionary to India and Persian Persia rather, Henry Martin said, "The spirit of Christ is the spirit of missions." The nearer we get to him, the more intensely missionary we become. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so true. I mean, you know, when you, in fact, I think a couple episodes ago, you and I were talking about that, right? That, boy, if you're, if you're walking with Jesus, you, you just naturally want to talk about him, you know, with others. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I think, you know, I, not just talk about him, but you want to, you want to act in accordance with how he would act, right? I mean, you, right. you are compassionate towards people, not because... You, I, I'm not compassionate towards people because I feel like I have to be. It's just an outpouring of what God's given me. Mm -hmm. I think that this is an area, and not to open another uh, can of worms, so to speak, but <laughs> that you know where we hear faith without works is dead. Uh, That's right. You know, I always go back to say it's it's not that we strive for good works. It's a proof point that faith 
faith without works is dead because faith and true uh, relationship with Christ results in good works. Yeah, that's uh, it's right. An outpouring that's of what's exactly in right. you, uh, and I think that that's what that reference is uh, in that passage. So yeah, the that's same right. Goes to our fulfillment of the Great Commission. Yeah, that's right. So then, uh, once we've kind of done that test, then uh, secondly is just knowing how to share about Jesus. And I think this is where a lot of people, uh, I've often told uh, pastors, boy, just make sure, even if it's once a year, just have kind of an evangelism 101 class for people. Mm -hmm. And I think what you find when you go through that is that it's a lot easier than you think. And, you know, once you begin sharing with Jesus, Again, I think as you and I have talked about already a lot of times, it's just kind of sharing your story. Mm -hmm. Here's who I was. Here's what happened when Jesus came into my life. And here's what it is today. Mm -hmm. And I think that personal story is just so attracted to people. And they kind of go, you know, I mean, it just, yeah, there's something different about you. Yeah. And you can just go, yeah, it's just what Jesus has done, you know. So, you know, I, I think that's the second part is just knowing knowing how to share him i always tell people it's way actually way less complicated than it actually seems right um now you can make it more advanced and you know there's all kinds of a way to do that called the romans road for example <laughs> or you can just go through the book of romans you know when i was with the navigators we used something called the bridge illustration and so there's probably five or six verses that you memorize as a part of that which is good too, because then you're pointing people back to the word. But I would just say at first, you know, just easy to just share, yeah, you know, your own story. Yeah, I think that's true. I think the I think that it helps you to be more comfortable with your story too. And maybe as you share, uh, you begin to recognize yourself. Wow, I really was a wreck. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you know, and uh, and I'm really a different person, even though because often I think we get tripped up in. Uh, something that obviously even Paul got tripped up in, uh, and that's that we strive to do the things that we, you know, we know Christ would be pleased with, and yet we fall flat on our face a million times a day. Yeah, that's um, right. And and that can be to the smallest or the greatest scale. Um, we all struggle with that. Uh, there is a wickedness here in the world, mm -hmm. and we struggle uh, with that and its impact on our own lives. Yeah, that's um, right. So sometimes I think to continually talk about how Christ changed our lives, we start to realize ourselves, hey, you know what? I, I know I still mess up, but I, I am delivered. Uh, Christ did save me, and I am different than what mm -hmm. I was, even mm -hmm. though I still wrestle with these many things from the smallest to the largest. Yeah, that's right. And then uh, number three is very similar to number two, which is, you know, number two is just the know, know how to share and then number three is just begin sharing Jesus with kind of everyone you know. Uh, this great commission work, this you know, making disciples can happen anywhere. And you know, in fact, I would highly recommend people just begin sharing. You know, if you, even if you feel like you know you, you do the praying and you've tried to figure out where God wants you to go, and if it if it seems like He does want you to go overseas, I would I would highly recommend just begin sharing with people kind of locally, uh, the idea being that you're probably not going to go to Peru or Russia and share about Jesus unless you can share with your next door neighbor, right? And right. there is at least some biblical precedence for that in the Acts 1-8 passage where Jesus, uh, Jesus says, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. 
And some people sort of say that's a and or in between each of those, but it's just and. And so, you know, we are really called to kind of to go to all of those places. Uh, A local friend here in the Denver area, Carl Medeiros, who you might be familiar with, is Mm -hmm. is, uh, got a kind of a a famous saying in one of his books where he just says, be nice and talk about Jesus all the time. That's really all you have to do. You know, it's nice to people and just start talking about Jesus. And that's actually attractive to, to people. So, right. uh, so number four then is tell God aware of who you are in Christ, how to share. You begin sharing. Kind of the next step is just tell God that you're willing to go anywhere at any time at any cost for him. And uh, boy, he just can do. I mean, when, when you actually invite him in to that, uh, there's just really cool things that generally happen, you know, when you kind of give him permission to do that. And kind of the four, four B to that, or the the second part of that is, uh, if you're married, just set up an, an annual time with your spouse just to check each other's heart and to see if God's, you know, talking to either one of you. And so, I know with my wife Sherry and I over the years, you know, he uses each one of us in each other's lives uh, in a number of ways, of course, but at least in terms of Great Commission fulfillment, you know, so when we lived in China uh, for a year, that was something that God put onto my heart and Sherry would look back and go, yeah, I don't know that I would have done that, but it was clear God was speaking through you. Uh, And then there was another time, you know, a few years ago, I kind of had it in mind to kind of move our ministry to Houston, Texas. Hmm. And God used uh, Sherry to say, I don't think that's, I don't think that's right. You know, so, so certainly in terms of if each of you are saying, God, we want to, we want to see that great commission fulfillment and the two have become one, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you got to have, got to have both on board. Yeah, <laughs> you know, for that to happen. So yeah, you know, I I, I worked with another gentleman uh, in missions here, great guy, Jess Stainbrook, and mm. one of the things he always taught me was uh, that he and his wife uh, would ask God together, and they both agreed beforehand that they both had to receive an answer uh, mm. that was congruent. Uh, with one another and to know that they were on the same page and that that was actually what God was calling them to do. Uh, and I saw that work in their lives uh, multiple times. Mm. Uh, so a great, I think great, it's great lesson. Yeah. I think that's really great. And as much as, you know, particularly I know I can speak in from my own life at times when I just thought for sure that God was saying for us to do X, Y, and Z, but my wife was saying, no, I don't think God's saying that. Right. On one hand, it gets, it's frustrating but I look back on it now and it's like, boy, God was really, yeah, he really did something yeah, there. Yeah. You know, you really can use your, spou- uh, you know, use a spouse in a, sure. a pretty powerful way. So, um, so that's the sort of the next part is just tell God you're willing to go kind of anywhere at any time. Uh, number five is as he then, as he then answers that prayer request, if he tells you to lay down your current job or your career, to go somewhere for him, obey and do it. Yeah. And that would seem to be sort of a, yeah, Mike, that's, of course, we would do that. Uh, the problem is that way too many times I've met people who've said, man, I just have always had a heart for Brazil and, or, you know, whoever, wherever it is. And I just, you know, just clearly God, God had spoken to them about it. But, you know, the obeying and going... Yeah. Is is hard to do, yeah. And there's a a quote that I like. The now the the uh, former 
director of and founder of the U.S. Center for World Missions, a guy by the name of Ralph Winter, who, for those of us who have a real heart for this uh, missions, uh, you know, he's kind of one of our heroes. He said, there is a tragic fact, only about one out of a hundred missionary decisions results in actual career mission service. Why? Mainly because parents, friends, and even pastors rarely encourage anyone to follow through on that kind of decision. Uh, but what would? But what if that number would double to two out of a hundred? The effect would be explosive. And it's kind of sad just to think about folks who, more in a kind of it breaks your heart kind of sad mm. to think about people who have been called by God to go and then they refuse to go. So right. So that's the next part is just to. Yeah, if he tell if he's telling you to go, go and just know that he's called you to go, and in faith know that he's going to take care of kind of whatever you, yeah. you know, whatever you face right. in that decision. So, and then the final part is just uh, very quickly. It's just sort of in the meantime, as you're waiting for God to say, "Here's why I want you to go," or "Here's what I want you to do." Uh, in the meantime, just be an, an active sender and supporter. And so, you know, Ralph Winters again uh, that I just mentioned. He's got another great quote, which is just, anyone who can help 100 missionaries to the field is more important than one missionary on the field. In fact, missions mobilization activity is more crucial than than field missionary activity. And I think the idea there is that not all people are called to go. And so, but boy, if you can help mobilize people and equip people to go, those that are called. Uh, John Piper has an interesting quote, and he says, there are only three kinds of Christians when it comes to missions. Uh, zealous goers, zealous senders, and disobedient. And, uh, <laughs> I, you know, of course, that's kind of the very direct sort of style of John right. Piper, right? right. But it's, I think it's true. Absolutely. And so it really is true. So, so, you know, final thoughts on all of this for me would just be, you know, a lot of people when they hear this, this message get uh, completely overwhelmed. And my encouragement is, you know, if you look at my own story, I felt called to, you know, impact China for Christ when I was in my 20s. Mm-hmm. And, but really, and I, I, I hope this doesn't sound like I'm being too, too humble or whatever, but it's, you know, I'm really not that gifted in much. And yet, uh, you know, God has chosen to use me in ways that I just could have never imagined. And, sure. and it was just that. Uh, responding to the call that uh, God gave and just saying, here I am, Lord, uh, send me. And I just think, Ken, I know you know this. If you pray like that, he'll honor it and answer it, and he'll bless you in ways that you that you couldn't imagine uh, because of your attitude. So what final thoughts do you have? You know, um, a that? couple thoughts. I would say in uh, reflecting on it, part of the first part of this podcast, mm-hmm. uh, you had used uh, an example of you being going to church A uh, and getting involved and mm-hmm. uh, and together uh, fulfilling the Great Commission, uh, and then you going to church B. One, to the listener, I just want to say that it doesn't take the responsibility off of church A when you go to church B yeah, that's right. fulfilling the Great Commission. That's and it, right. And it doesn't take the responsibility off you. You go and, and now... Uh, do that at church B. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is an individual call, and I and I think uh, that that's important to note. And then in the end, uh, when we talk about missions uh, as a calling, you know, we talk about the goers, the senders, and the disobedient. If you're a sender, uh, remember that that is in relation to people who are in the mission field. That's um, right. 
it does not negate your obligation to the fulfilling the Great Commission uh, also. Um, and ascending is part of that for sure. But individually, you still are called to share Christ, uh, make disciples. Mm. That's something that we're all called to do. And that uh, that doesn't get lost there. And then finally, I just would say if there's people who uh, are in positions of leadership in missions, you know, those senders sometimes need to be invited to see what they're sending is helping. Yeah, that's uh, right. I think sometimes we get lost in feeling like we're sending, we're doing uh, good work, which we are, uh, but then also uh, in ministry, uh, we feel sometimes like, hey, they're sending, they're doing good work where they are, and mm-hmm. they leave them there. And I heard a, a great leader once say that he had told some of his supporters, hey, now you've supported me for so long, now I really want you to come with me to see what your support does. Oh, right. And I think sometimes that invitation can be an easy cushion for the person who typically would not just answer the call. That's right. They may go and have a change heart in what the mission is. Yeah, that's that right. Point, so. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's the the benefit also of these uh, vision trips that a lot yeah, of organizations right. have where, you know, a lot of times it's not until you're on the ground and you see what's happening and God uses that to really touch people's yeah. hearts. So, well, everyone, thanks for, uh, for, for hanging in there with us. I know we're uh, a little longer podcast today, but it's an important topic. And I, I just, I guess I would just leave everyone with a, uh, another quote that uh, from one of my heroes, Hudson Taylor, who said, God uses men who are weak and feeble enough to lean on him. And, mm. You know, in other words, it's just all about what he wants to do. And if he calls you to do anything in your life, he'll he'll give you the ability to do it. So thanks again for joining us. And we'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode of the Made for Missions podcast.